Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Monday, January 22nd, 2023. And this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Happy Monday. How is everybody today? Um, I have a, a confession to make, first off. Um, every Friday, I urge everyone to go to church on Sunday. And yesterday, Mrs. Squirrel and I did not go to church because of freezing rain. <laughs> we had freezing rain Saturday night. Um, it was pretty treacherous in our driveway and on our street. And the road report, because I was supposed to preach in Ovando yesterday, which is an hour and 40, hour, 45 minutes away on good roads <laughs> um, in the, uh, you know, in, in winter roads, it takes a little bit longer. And we had planned before we went to bed, we said, we'll leave early. We'll take our time. We were going to leave early enough to, to hit the McDonald's drive through going through Missoula and get breakfast. Um, Cause I, I do have quite a fondness for their sausage McMuffins, but so we were going to do that and we were going to leave early so we could drive slow and all of that. And then looking at the road report and there was a massive accident on Highway 200 that blocked the road for hours east of Ovando. So it wasn't between us and Ovando, but it gave us an idea of the road conditions. And the road conditions were listed as either black ice or hazardous depending on the stretch of the road. And so I said, ah, well, we'll look at that in the morning. I sent a text to uh, one of the elders at Ovando and said, hey, I'm looking at this. It's not looking good. Just want to give you a heads up. I'll make the call in the morning. And uh, they told me that is not a problem. There is no stress. Stay safe. I was, I was given all sorts of reassurance. So when we got up yesterday morning, uh, yeah, we were not going anywhere. Um, here at Squirrel Manor, everything was coated with ice. Um, I walked out, you know, I got, got out of the shower, got dressed. Cause you know, still operating on the, Hey, we need to be ready to go at 7.15 to, to drive up there. Got, got up, got, got dressed. And then I, I went outside and examined the driveway and examined the coating of ice on the car and examined, walked out to the, 
the end of the driveway and looked at the street. And I came back inside and I looked at the road report. And I came back inside and contacted the church in Ovando and said we were not coming. And because it was so treacherous here at the house, we didn't go to Frenchtown either. So we didn't go to our church, nor did we go to where I was supposed to preach yesterday, um, just because of the roads. Um, so, you know, safety does factor into these things. Um, uh, and so we, we did not go. Um, did watch the live stream from Frenchtown yesterday while we were while we were, uh, excuse me, um, home <laughs> and, uh, enjoyed that. Pastor Scott had a good message. I looked forward. That was, that was good. Um, today it's supposed to be 40 and raining. Um, you know, the, it was below zero last week and now we've, we've popped out of that, but, uh, we definitely have had some icy conditions the last few days. Um, haven't heard of any really bad accidents near Squirrel Manor, but we have had a few around the area. Um, as far as I know, there were no uh, injuries in the one past Ovando near Lincoln. Um, but all, all I looked at was the road report, and it was talking about lane blockages. I didn't actually try to find the uh, the incident report of the of the accident. So yeah, we didn't go to church yesterday. Um, we watched the live stream. And folks, that's what live streams are for. They're not a substitute for church. You don't just watch live streams because you don't want to go to church or because you live in North Carolina and you think your pastor is John MacArthur in California. John MacArthur is not your pastor if you live in North Carolina. Um, you know, he might be a Bible teacher who has a great influence on you, but he's not your pastor. He doesn't know you. He doesn't, you know, he's not involved in your life like a pastor should be. And and you're not involved in his life like a church member should be in the lives of their pastor. You know, and, and I don't care, you know, who it is, what, what nationally known big preacher you look to, you know, watching a live stream is not a substitute for church. Go to church. You need to be involved in the life of the church. You need to be involved in the life of the saints in the church. You need to be accountable to them. They need to be accountable to you. You have to be involved. You have to be a part of a local church. Live streams are for days like yesterday when we couldn't safely make it to church. That's what live streams are for. It, you know, or people who are ill, people who, you know, um, you know, they're, they're past the age when they can drive and there's no one to drive them. That's, that's what live streams are for, you know, shut-ins. Live streams are not for people to do couch and do couch, do church in their living room from their couch. That's not what it's for. 
So, and, and sadly with the COVID lockdowns and everything that became the norm. Um, don't let that become your norm. And if it is your norm, unnormalize it, get over yourself and get to church. You really need to be in a church, but I disagree with him about this. I disagree with him about that. Look, if it's not a heretical, you know, they don't deny the deity of Christ. They preach the gospel. It's the most doctrinally sound church that you are physically able to attend. You need to be there. You need to be there. It's important. You know, I mean, there were disagreements, you know, there have always been disagreements. If you have two people, you're going to have disagreements. Mrs. Squirrel and I, surprising as it is, do not see eye to eye on everything. You know, my parents didn't see eye to eye on everything. And they were married almost 50 years until dad's death. So you're, you're looking at, you know, the fact that whenever you have two people, two sinful human beings, you're going to have disagreements. And where those disagreements occur, there needs to be grace and there needs to be forgiveness and there needs to be understanding. And when you have a church of, you know, 50, 100, 200, 2,000, guess what? <laughs> There's going to be 50, 100, 200, 2,000 people that you are going to have disagreements with. You know, and that's just the way it is because we're humans. So as, as it has been said long, long ago, don't look for the perfect church <laughs> because if you're, you know, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. But there is no perfect church. There is no perfect church. And if your standard to find a church to get involved in is absolute perfection, you need to get over yourself. And that's just a fact. Get yourself to church. So yes, we watched the live stream yesterday because it was not safe for us to leave the house. And even after church, I drove to the store to, to get lunch and get some stuff for dinner because, um, you know, we had planned on eating out. <laughs> so we didn't have anything in the house. Um, prepared already for for lunch yesterday so after church after the church service ended on the live stream it was above freezing it was like 33 degrees and so i drove to superior 10 miles away which is the closest town and uh, went to our little grocery store there um and you know picked up something for lunch and even then, it was like the, from between here and the interstate, it, the road was nasty. Now, once I got on the interstate, it was just wet. I was, you know, there'd been enough traffic to break off any ice, and and the the plow and sand trucks had been out, and and the the interstate was fine. Um, but the road between the house and the interstate was treacherous, and so even if we if we'd have left on time to go to Ovando yesterday morning, the interstate would have been the least of our worries. <laughs> but once you got off the interstate and onto State Highway 200, that was when the road conditions really got iffy. And then just 
our road between here and the interstate, even after it got above freezing, was still pretty, pretty iffy. I was not driving fast. We'll just put it that way. I was not driving fast at all. So that was my day yesterday, watching my own church on the live stream. Um, I, I would have watched the Ovando service, but they don't live stream. So <laughs> there's no worry about that. It's a tiny little church. Um, but I, I look forward, uh, the elder messaged me yesterday. He says, well, you don't have to prep for next month because <laughs> you already got your message ready. So I'm actually going to take the time to get ahead. I'm going to work ahead and, and get, get the next several messages outlined so that, uh, I'll be able just to, to, to work a little bit more efficiently, um, and, and having a month between messages, that's easily done. Um, I should have done that anyway, but I, I usually, you know, I, I'll, I'll read the passage. I've been reading Ephesians almost daily since I decided that was going to be my book study. Um, I can't, can't say how many times I've read through the whole book, but, you know, it's, it's an important book great book. Love the book of Ephesians. So February 18th, I think, is the next time I'm going to be in Evando, and I'm looking forward to that. I've also got the, the uh, winter, winter youth retreat coming up at Camp Utmost the first February in, the first February in weekend, first weekend in February. And that's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. It starts Friday evening at dinner um, and then all day Saturday and then Sunday morning until uh, after lunch. So, but that's a, that's a good time. I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's going to be a good time. And uh, we always eat well. That's the main thing. I camp utmost. You have no idea how good the food is. <laughs> you have no idea how good the food is. Um, now, we work it off because we're busy and we're running around with those kids. But uh, it's it's a tasty treat and a, and a good time for, for uh, and dinner time rolls around or breakfast time or whatever. You, 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 you don't go hungry. Um, they serve you teenage size portions <laughs> when seconds are usually available. Um, and, uh, much to my waistline's dismay, I often partake in seconds, um, because the food is so good. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it's Monday meandering, and we have a lot to talk about. Oh, what a weekend. And I'm not talking about the weather. All right, let us begin, as is our um, practice with the Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. 
we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins, and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Genesis 29 and Psalm 29. Genesis 29. Then Jacob took up his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they gave water to the flocks to drink. Now the stone on the mouth of the well was large, and all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and give water to the sheep to drink, and return the stone back to its place on the mouth of the well. And Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well, and here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. And he said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Give water to the sheep to drink, and go, pasture them. But they said, We cannot, until all the flocks are gathered, and they roll the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we give water to the sheep to drink. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now it happened when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and gave water to the flock of Laban, his mother's brother, to drink. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So it happened that when Laban heard the report of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him, and he embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Then he recounted to Laban all these things. And Laban said to them, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him one month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and beautiful in appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, 
So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to, than give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they were in his sight but a few days because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it happened in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his servant woman Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a servant woman. Now it happened in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, It is not the practice in our place to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill the week of this one, and we will give you the other also for service, which you shall serve me for another seven years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his servant woman Billa to his daughter Rachel as her servant woman. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. And Yahweh saw that Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, Because Yahweh has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because Yahweh has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be joined to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore he was named Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise, praise Yahweh. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Now Psalm 29. The 29th Psalm, a Psalm of David. Ascribe to Yahweh, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. The voice of Yahweh is upon the waters. The God of, Yah of glory thunders. Yahweh is over many waters. The voice of Yahweh is powerful. The voice of Yahweh is full of splendor. The voice of Yahweh breaks the cedars. Indeed, Yahweh breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild young ox. The voice of Yahweh hews out flames of fire. The voice of Yahweh causes the wilderness to tremble. Yahweh causes the wilderness of Kadesh to tremble. The voice of Yahweh makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare, and his temples, and in his temples everything says glory. Yahweh sit Yahweh sat enthroned over the flood, indeed Yahweh sits as king forever. Yahweh will give strength to his people. Yahweh will bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Excuse me. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. 
Today's devotional is Wrong Judgment, an Erroneous View of Ourselves. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye. Matthew 7, 3-5 Dr. MacArthur writes, When we judge critically, we also manifest an erroneous view of ourselves. The speck Jesus refers to is not something insignificant. It was likely a twig or a splinter. Though small in comparison to a log, it was not a good thing to have in your eye. Jesus' comparison is not between a very small sin or fault and one that is large, but between one that is large and one that is gigantic. His primary point is that the sin of the critic is much greater than the sin of the person he is criticizing. The wretched and gross sin that is always blind to its own sinfulness is self-righteousness. It looks directly at its own sin and still imagines it sees only righteousness. The very nature of self-righteousness is to justify self and condemn others. Self-righteousness is the worst of all sins because it trusts in self rather than God. It trusts in self to determine what is right and wrong and to determine who does what is right or wrong. Two, the term notice conveys serious, continual meditation. Until you have thought long and hard about your own sin, how can you confront another with his shortcomings? Ask yourself. Again, the thought conveyed here is not that we forbid that we are forbidden from ever pointing out the sins of others, aiding him toward repentance and a desire for God's forgiveness. But our hearts are so suspect, we must regularly keep our sins confessed and to the surface. How do you practice this discipline in your own life? Never think of yourself more highly than you ought, and be honest with yourself about your own sinfulness. All right. Well, I guess we're all in for Trump. <laughs> it's been an interesting weekend. Um, back in 2016, my guy in that presidential race was Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. By the time the Montana primary came around, um, while Walker was still on the, the ballot, he had dropped out. Um, and I did vote for him in the primary just because he was still on the ballot, um, just to make my preference known. But of course, the nominee was Donald Trump. This year, I've been quite open about the fact that, that my support was for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Um, I just, I, I, I think he would be a better president than Donald Trump. Um, he is certainly more ideological conservative than Trump. And he has been very successful. And he's not nearly as bombastic. <laughs> um, so very much in Ron DeSantis's camp. Um, even sent him, I think, 25 bucks back when he first announced. Um, and I don't do a lot of political donations. Um, so, 
Well, yesterday, Ron DeSantis suspended his campaign. We, we kind of figured something was happening because I think it was on Thursday or Friday that all of his planned events disappeared from his website. Um, he was not, he had canceled any speaking appearances, et cetera, for the campaign for president. And then yesterday he issued a statement from Florida where he still has three years as governor. Um, he issued a statement from Florida that he was home and he was suspending his campaign and he was endorsing Donald Trump. Um, and in endorsing Trump, he nuked Nikki Haley, which I, I gave little, little claps for. Um, so Ron DeSantis is for all intents and purposes out of the race. Now he's suspended the campaign. He hasn't ended the campaign. That's kind of a, a legal fiction. Um, and, and by not ending the campaign, it, 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 um, there's things to do with the fundraising and the money that has been raised for his campaign and what can be done with it. The, the campaign can do stuff with the money. So the campaign still exists. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a loophole thing. Nobody ends a presidential campaign like that. They just suspend it. That's what Ramaswamy did. That's what Chris Christie did. You just suspend your campaign. Um, that's what Pence did. Um, that's just, that's the terminology. Um, but basically what it means is, you know, we're not running for president anymore. <laughs> um, and so Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the race, which leaves us, you know, Nikki Haley and, and, that's it. So it's Trump and Haley. Well, and, and Trump is so far ahead of Haley that I, I don't, I don't see, she, she may do well. She's not going to win New Hampshire tomorrow. Tomorrow's the New Hampshire primary. She's not going to win New Hampshire. She's not going to win any of the primaries, but New Hampshire, the way it's structured with the, uh, um, open primary, you know, that anybody can vote the way, the way it's set up. Um, so there's going to be a large number of Democrats because, you know, they don't have any, any, they're not having a primary on the Democrat side. I mean, I think there's, it, it's taking place officially, but it's not, there's nobody running against Biden really. Um, and so there are going to be a lot of Democrats crossing over to vote for Haley in the New Hampshire primary. So we're going to see how that works. But New Hampshire is a winner-take-all state. So, And I, I don't foresee Trump not winning that primary. Um, so I don't think Nikki Haley is going to be in the race much longer. But she's getting a lot of support from the establishment Republican, the, 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 
the Republican establishment, the same people that gave us John McCain and Mitt Romney and tried to give us Jeb Bush back in 2016, they are pushing Nikki Haley. And so she's got money, but what she doesn't have is popular support. And, and it's going to be a lot like the Jeb Bush campaign in that there's no enthusiasm for Haley out there. She's just not seen as popular among the Republican voters. Um, and she's done it to herself because she's, she's tried to stake out these moderate positions that are not where the Republican Party is. And that's what DeSantis pointed out in his, in his uh, address yesterday, saying that the you know, that this, this is the, the old Republican Party and it's not what we ought to go back to. Um, Nikki Haley represents that. And so she's becoming increasingly desperate. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, how did Trump get into this position? I mean, he hasn't gone to any of the debates. He has, you know, been running, you know, way out in front from the beginning. Well... Here's the, there's a couple of factors. First off, Trump is running as a virtual incumbent. Now, he's not president. He hadn't been president for three years um, because of 2020. But he's still, you know, he's like a football player with a year of eligibility left. He's got one more term that he can serve. And as the most recent president, he still has a lot of support in the party. And one of the reasons is that everybody saw how his campaign was, or how his presidency was frustrated, um, not only by the Democrats, but by the Republicans. The first two years that he was in office, the Republicans had the House and the Senate, and yet he could not advance his agenda to the degree that he should have been able to because of opposition within the Republican Party. Um, same thing happened to Reagan, actually. It's, uh, it was the Republicans are the reason we still have a Department of Education. Reagan wanted to get rid of it, um, but there was Republican opposition to that. And so that didn't happen. Same thing going on here. You had Paul Ryan and and the the Republicans in Congress who were opposed to Trump because he wasn't an insider. Um, and he's still not an insider, even though he served four years as president. He's he is opposed to a lot of the establishment stuff, the the quote unquote uniparty stuff. So the people looked at that and they're frustrated that the man that they elected president was not able to do as much as he should have been able to do, especially those first two years um, when he had both houses of Congress. Having said that, he accomplished quite a bit. Um, so you have the, the people that are looking at how frustrated he was in his first term and said, hey, we elected him to do something, and our own party opposed him in ways that did not help us. 
Um, so there's, there's a kind of an unfinished business aspect to that. And then there's been the, the leftist attacks on Trump, all of these lawsuits and stuff, you know, before they started indicting Trump in New York and Georgia and before these indictments started being handed down, Ron DeSantis was in striking distance. But the more the left attacked Trump unfairly, everybody knows this is political. They're not taking Trump to court because they have evidence of vast crimes. They're taking Trump to court on trumped up charges, no pun intended, to try to derail him politically. And everybody knows it. So as these charges were filed against Trump, all that did was increase his support because people are looking at Trump and going, man, if the left hates him that much and they're that scared of him, maybe we want him back in the White House. So that shifted a lot of support to Trump. And there's also the 2020 election. A lot of people feel that Trump was cheated out of his rightful victory. Now, I think Trump did a lot of that to himself with the COVID lockdown and stuff, which he will not be held account for. He, he won't even admit he did anything wrong. Um, I don't think he'd do it again. <laughs> um, and if he's in, in the White House and they come up with some new, hey, we got to shut everything down, I don't think he will because he knows what it cost him. But he's not going to admit that he was wrong because he's an ego. He's not, um, he's not a man of character. I, I mean, that's just flat out obvious. He's not a man of character. Um, he's very pragmatic and he's a populist. But his populism means that he espouses um, conservative beliefs that are popular not necessarily that he is personally ideologically committed to, but that's still okay because he does things along those lines. He advanced the conservative agenda in ways that it hasn't been advanced in a long time when he was in the White House. And, and it is my hope and prayer that he will do so again. Um, and so... You know, if, if he'd have not done the COVID lockdowns and, and, and if he had cracked down on the Black Lives Matter stuff and the George Floyd riots, Antifa and all of that, I think that there is no doubt he would have won the 2020 election. I mean, one of the big problems was the, the mail-in ballots and stuff, which were all instigated because of the, the lockdowns. That was the excuse for doing all of that stuff. And that was, you know, I mean, there was, I, I'm sorry, there was voter fraud in 2020. I know the official story is there wasn't, but there absolutely was. And you're not going to convince me there wasn't. And I'm not alone. There are a lot of us that are looking at the 2020 election and going, that just wasn't, no, that wasn't it. 
and and uh, so that you have a lot of people that that feel that Trump was cheated out of his second term and they want to give it to him. So these are all factors that have played into the the amazing level of support that Donald Trump has right now. And so he is with with DeSantis getting out. Um Trump's the nominee. There's, there's no, you know, there's no path forward for anybody else on the Republican ticket. Um, and so this is, you know, Trump's going to be the nominee. And so it's Trump or Biden, or it's Trump or the liberals. And when, when we look at what the left is doing to our country, yeah, I'm all in for Trump. I am all in for Trump. Trump 2024. Um, the shirt I'm wearing, I actually bought right after the 2020 election. Um, it says, Trump 2024, fix America again. Um, I bought it as a joke. Um, I wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even running at that point, And that was four years down the road. Um, but I saw, I saw this on, I think it was a Facebook ad. Uh, okay. That's funny. I'm going to get that. And, uh, so I've, I've had this sitting in the closet. I don't wear it. I wasn't, I wasn't a Trump guy. Uh, I was a DeSantis guy until yesterday. And so now, you know, DeSantis is out and I'm supporting Trump and hopefully he will win the nomination in the White House because we've got to stop Biden. We've got to stop. And, and when I say Biden, I mean whoever's running Biden because Joe Biden is not in charge. And if you think he is, I have some beautiful oceanfront property in Iowa to sell you. But Nikki Haley is getting more and more desperate. Um, she is the, the last standing Republican challenger, um, because she has all this establishment support. Um, she is not, not going to get the nomination. Um, but she's getting more and more desperate and that has come out, um, in a, in, in a recent comment that she made, and I, I don't, I have the quote here, but I, I didn't write down the source, but she was being interviewed and she was talking, she played the, she played the intersectionality card. She played, she played up on her, her sex and on her skin color, her race. She's Indian, by the way. And most of it, I didn't, I didn't really know that her parents immigrated here from India. They were, they were Sikhs. I think her father was a university professor and her mother was a lawyer. I just looked over a brief bio sketch this morning because I've never, I've never really been up on Haley. Just, you know, I don't live politics. I don't, I, uh, I pay enough attention to it to bring you Monday meanderings that are sometimes politically centered, but I don't, I don't follow all the personalities in politics. I'm, I'm more, interested in the causes and, and thoughts and philosophies of politics than I am the people. But uh, Haley, in an interview, 
recently, either last week or the week before, I'm not sure, she was being interviewed and she said this, this is the quote, I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone who wants to question it can go look up what I said about hard it, well, how hard it was to grow up in the deep South as a brown girl. Um, Nikki Haley looks white. She may be of Indian descent, but she is light-skinned. Um, and looking at her high school picture, she looked like countless other girls I went to high school with in the 80s. She had the, the poofy, you know, 80s hair and, and a big grin on her face in, a, in the picture that I saw from her high school years. She's seven years younger than I am. She was born in 1972, so we grew up kind of in the same era of America, the 1980s. I grew up in the early 80s. She grew up, you know, in the later 80s. Um, let's see, 72, 82, 92, she'd have been 20. So she probably would have graduated from high school, 89, 90, somewhere in there, 17, 18 years old. So, you know, a little younger than I am, um, but the same era. We listened to the same music. You know, she was, when she was graduating from high school, I was getting out of the Air Force. Um, so, you know, we're, we, that's just, we grew up at the same time period. Now, race relationships at that time, the, the, the race relations in the United States were much better then <laughs> than they are now. Um, as Rush Limbaugh said before the election of Barack Obama, during that election cycle in, in uh, what's it, what was it, 2008? Yeah. In the 2008 election cycle, when Barack Obama was running before he was elected, Rush Limbaugh said that this would not improve race relationships in the United States. Um, and it didn't because Barack Obama is a race-baiting agitator. He's a leftist. Um, this is when the whole intersectionality thing really began its rise was with Barack Obama in politics. Now, it's been in the academic life of the country for decades before that. And I really... Um, Listen to the stuff that Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker have done on intersexuality and Black Lives Matter and and diversity DEI stuff. There there have been several of their podcasts, the Just Thinking podcasts, that have been dedicated to that subject. And they've done deep dive analysis because those podcasts are two, three hours long. And if you do not listen to the Just Thinking podcast, what is wrong with you? You need to listen to that podcast because it is such a deep, deep dive into very important topics. Um, and, of course, they're known for their opposition to critical race theory and DEI and all of that. That's not been <laughs> the focus of the vast majority of their podcasts, but that's what they're known for. Um mainly because they've done such a great job of laying that out. So I would urge you to go back and look at those and, and dig into those. 
to understand where all this came from. But it entered main, mainstream politics with Barack Obama. And so the election of Barack Obama didn't unite the country, it divided the country. Because the whole purpose of DEI and intersexuality and critical race theory is to divide and conquer. It's to, to split America up into different groups and pit them against each other so that they're busy fighting each other and you can advance your socialist agenda without them noticing. Um, and that really is, don't, that's, that's flat out. The, that was the, the, um, Rahm Emanuel, the, the white house chief of staff under Obama famously said, never let a crisis go to waste. Whenever anything happens, domestically or globally, you use those events to advance your ideological agenda. So we see that constantly on the left. And so DEI is designed to create these crises. I mean, <clears throat> summer of 2020, you have a man die in police custody of a fentanyl overdose. Um, you know, a drug addict dying of a drug overdose. But because he was in custody and because the optics weren't good, that whole event was parlayed into, you know, this horrible white-on-black murder, which it wasn't. <clears throat> I think Derek Chauvin needs to come out of jail. Because he didn't kill George Floyd. George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose. There was no evidence, according to the autopsy, that he was choked. Even while he was being held on the ground, he was not being physically choked. He had plenty of air. But it was parlayed into this you know, used to divide people, set them against each other to advance a liberal agenda, a socialist agenda. But in the 80s, race relationships were much better. Um, and in the 90s. Remember, uh, <laughs> Bill Clinton was considered the first black president. You remember that? Because uh, he was very popular among American African-Americans, and, and so there was, there was a, it, it was a different time. Um, I mean, just looking at the entertainers from that era who were extremely popular. And Bill Cosby, this was long before any of the stories about him came out. Oprah Winfrey, you know, I mean, it was the eighties and nineties that Oprah Winfrey became the billionaire she is with her talk show. So you had, you know, Bill Cosby, Oprah Winfrey, um, Eddie Murphy. You had a lot of black entertainers who were massively popular. And nobody cared that they were black. You know, they cared that they were entertaining. Um, and, and so, 
I mean, we were we were very much listening to last Monday was Martin Luther King Day. We were very much espousing the, you know, content of character rather than color of skin position. Um, I mean, I was in the mid '80s. I was in the Air Force, and I was serving with people from all over the United States. And, you know, I don't recall black animosity. I, I worked with, you know, white people, black people, men, women. It, it was just, it was the job. It was do the job. And, you know, you just, you you know, you're, you're friends with your coworkers. These are the people you, you know, grab a beer with after work. It was just a, it was a, you know, nobody... Nobody thought anything of it. You you know, when you had a, you know, birthday party in the office, you know, it was all hands on deck and nobody was, you know, I, I just don't remember any racial animosity. Um, my, my drill instructor in basic training, Dr. William, Har or Dr. Staff Sergeant William Hardy, um, Sergeant Hardy was, was black. You know, huge respect for that man. Huge respect for that man. Taught me a lot. And and so, you know, it, it, you can't, the race relationship was different 40 years ago. Or, you know, 35 years ago when Haley was saying that she was having all this trouble growing up as a dark child in the deep south. And it's just... It, it, it's, you know, and, and she said this and it's being ratioed everywhere. Um, everybody's pointing out that, no, this probably didn't happen. <laughs> um, as I saw one tweet say, I'll take things that never happened for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> a Jeopardy reference. Um, so, you know, Nikki Haley's getting desperate and it's showing. Tomorrow's primary in New Hampshire is going to be interesting. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping that Trump has the kind of landslide victory that he had in Iowa that just makes it clear because it is, as, as Ron DeSantis said yesterday, excuse me, it is time to unite against the Democrats. Um, we've had our discussion. We've had what primary there was. And now it's time to come together behind Trump. He's not perfect. <laughs> Far from it. Um, as I said, he's not my first choice. But he, at this point, Trump is the only choice. So, you know, if, if you don't want... Another four years of what we've had with Joe Biden um, and whoever is pulling his puppet strings, Brock, <clears throat> um, then we need to get behind Donald Trump. So I am all in for Trump. Um, Trump 2024, full steam ahead. Let's get the Democrats out of the White House and... You know, while we're at it, let's go deep down ticket and let's increase the majority in the House and get 
the Senate back, and let's actually start, you know, investing in some things and and moving forward and praying that God will have mercy on our country and turn it away from the direction it's headed. Um, and and that's ultimately the thing is to remember that all of this is in God's hands. It is he who gives men's kingdoms and takes away kingdoms. It is he who sets men on thrones. And and the men who are on thrones, you know, he turns them wherever he would have them go. So let us pray that God would relent in his righteous judgment against our sinful land and grant us a reprieve from the crazy leftist policies which we have been pursuing. And even an imperfect person like Donald Trump can be greatly used of God. I, I always think back to how loyal Daniel was to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. You talk about an egotistical, you know, pragmatic ruler. Nebuchadnezzar was definitely that. And yet Daniel served him loyally and with distinction and and did so without ever compromising his faithfulness to God. And so consider that as we move forward. Um, one more thing before we, we conclude today's Monday meandering. I was reading an article over the weekend about China's world dominance being short-lived. China is starting to collapse. Um, and it's going to be precipitous. It's going to go quickly. What are the issues? Well, it, there's an inevitable population decline. Um, I remember back in the 70s, Monty Python... Um, had a song, and they, they were talented musicians. And and some of the music that they did was hilarious. And I, I've always I've always enjoyed Monty Python's humor. Um, haven't enjoyed their crudity, but I have enjoyed their humor. And one of the songs that came out in the 70s sometime, maybe even been early 80s, um, Monty Python came out with a song called I Like Chinese. And it was a cute little ditty, you know. I like Chinese. I like Chinese. And it had a line, there's 900 million of them in the world today. You better learn to like them. That's what I say. Um, and in the 70s, 60s and 70s, China had this huge population and rapidly growing population and looked to be a, a juggernaut, at least as the number of people that, uh, that China contained. And it's still a very populous country. But if you remember, China came out with their draconian one-child policy. They limited married couples to one child 
because they desired to reduce their population. Um, and, and this really goes back to the whole, the earth is overpopulated argument of Paul Ehrlich and, you know, the academia of the sixties, um, the, 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 it, and it's, it's still pervasive. It's part of the whole environmental movement now where, you know, mankind is the problem and we need to reduce humanity and reduce the population of people. And we're, we're seeing that espoused by, you know, Bill Gates and others that, uh, that are seriously desiring to see our, you know, the population of humanity decline. Um, which always amused me in 2020 because the same people are saying we need less people were saying you need to take this shot in order to keep people from dying. And, and you kind of wonder, should I trust these people? And it looks like ultimately the answer was no. But anyway, China had this one child policy because Chinese culture so highly values sons Many, many girl babies were aborted or killed after birth so that the parents could try for a son. This is a cultural thing, you know, sons over daughters. Well, this led to a disproportionate population. More women than men, and folks, it takes both to maintain a population. So you had the one-child policy, which caused a reduction in the birth rate. A preference for male children, which caused a disproportionate balance of Chinese people growing into adulthood. And so now you have the population in China is beginning to fall. And it's going to be exponential. It's going to drop quickly. And I think this is one of the reasons why you have such greater hostility from China right now and the, the, the desire to retake Taiwan and all of that, because within a few short years, they are not going to have the personnel to engage in any kind of military escapades. They're trying to try to establish things now before they, they sink into, um, you know, this population crash, which is coming. Um, and it's, it's going to happen faster in China. There's a population crash happening globally in developed countries. The, the population of Europe is, is dropping. We're, we're below replacement levels in Europe. We're below replacement levels in the United States. The whole Western world birth rate is below replacement levels, meaning that we're not even going to maintain these numbers. It's going to start dropping. Um, the, the only part of the world where that is not the case seems to be the Middle East. And that does not bode well. It, it really doesn't um, to, to be outnumbered by, by, radical Islamic forces. Um, because contrary to what anybody tells you, radical Islamism, Islamists 
dominate the region. So that's not going to be good. So population distribution around the country, around the country, around the globe is about to get very interesting. Keep an eye on that. So China's population is about to crash. They're also, their economic decline has already started. There are serious economic issues going on in China right now. Nobody's talking about it. You got to kind of dig for it. But China's economy is not in good shape. Um, everybody, you know, just a couple of years ago, everybody was talking about China taking over from the United States as the economic powerhouse of the globe. And that's not going to happen. The, the Chinese population is declining and the economy is declining um, mainly because it's a socialist economy and socialism doesn't work. And so they're going to have all of these issues. Now, one of the biggest problems, I think this is, you know, you've got in the Xi Jinping, the current head of the Chinese Communist Party and premier of China or whatever his title is, you have an extreme hardliner not only is he an extreme hardliner, he has consolidated so much authority. Um, it's going to be an interesting few years in China. Um, he's, he's grasping at straws, but he has the power over the country to bring the whole country down with him. Um, he is, he is very soon going to be a very desperate man, and desperate men with vast power do desperate things. So I, I look at China with some trepidation as to what might happen. So China's decline is inevitable, but in the short term, this makes China more dangerous. So we need to keep an eye on that. Um, so, yep, interesting times, interesting times indeed. Well, let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the colic for the third Sunday of Epiphany, which was yesterday. Give us grace, O Lord to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For the renewal of life, we pray. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, Drive far from us all wrong desires. Incline our hearts to keep your law and guide our feet into the way of peace 
that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. May I add to that, Lord, please save Donald Trump. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Monday. Thanks for starting your week off with us again. Hope you have a great day ahead. I hope you have a great week ahead. Um, yeah, it's Monday. Get through it. You'll be fine. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.